The Old Testament lesson for the 10th Sunday after Trinity is from Jeremiah chapter 7. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah, who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice with one another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place and the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 19th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Every parent finds out at some point or another that for most of the injuries that your children suffer, all that's required is a kiss from mom. All that's required is a kiss from mom and some comfort and maybe a band-aid, even if there's no blood, and probably just a little bit of time. For most of the scrapes and scratches and bruises of childhood, all that's required is a little bit of comfort, a little bit of peace from mom, knowing that everything's going to be okay. There's no dramatic cure required, no medicine required, no surgery, no stitches, none of that. That's most of the time. Of course, some of the time, something more dramatic is required. The first time your kid takes a tumble off the bike and breaks his arm, a kiss is not going to cut it. You'd like it to cut it. You'd like it to take care of the problem. You'd like a Band-Aid to cover that injury, but something more dramatic is required, a trip to the hospital a cast, 
and a return trip and x-rays and all kinds of debacles and hassle. And then there are, of course, other worse conditions. The first time you have a child who feels that pain in their side and you know this is surgery. Appendicitis is in store for us. Sometimes all that's required is a kiss and a band-aid and time, but sometimes what's required is something much more dramatic. Telling the difference between those two things is part and parcel of being a parent. I tell all of this to you because in our Old Testament lesson today, the people of Jeremiah's time, the people of Israel, were having a hard time telling the difference between wounds and injuries and sickness that required simply a kiss and a band-aid and the kinds of injuries and sickness that require something much more. They thought that the problems they had, the injuries they suffered, the wounds that they experienced in their souls were minor, superficial. That just a little bit of comfort, just a little bit of peace, a tender word, and a kiss and a band-aid and some time. That's all that was required for their wounds to be healed. They were wrong. They thought they were dealing with something superficial, but in fact they were dealing with something very, very deep, something in their hearts, something that you know all too well. They were dealing with the problem, the sickness of sin. But here's how they thought about it. They said to themselves, look, the temple is standing here before us, those stones stacked one on top of another. The priests are here day in and day out offering sacrifices. There's blood everywhere. The prayers are ascending to heaven. Everything's going to be just fine with us. We're doing okay. We have this band-aid to cover our wounds. We have this kiss to make everything okay. So we don't have to worry. But what was going on in their hearts? You heard this from Jeremiah. He accuses them. He says, Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and come and stand before God in this house which is called by his name, and say, We are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. They thought that by the mere presence of God's holy temple, by the mere presence of the priests and the sacrifices, by simply being near to these things, everything was going to be okay. And they missed the whole point, which is that the sacrifices and the temple and the priests and the prayers were God's peace present among them meant to meet contrite hearts, broken-hearted people, people who lamented their sins, who feared for their lives, who knew that they were sick with something much deeper than a scratch or a bruise. If they came into God's presence thinking that all that was required was a kiss and a band-aid, they would be sorely disappointed because they would not receive the cure that was needed. Stronger medicine was needed. The temple was there, the priests were there, the sacrifices and the prayers were being offered so that people who understood their guilt before God could have peace from him in the forgiveness of their sins so that they would amend their ways and their deeds and no longer live in wickedness, no longer go after other gods, pursuing vain hopes, but they would put their hope and their trust in him alone. The people of Israel missed it. And the tragedy grows even deeper when you recognize this, uh, this surprising fact. The name of the city, the name of the city that Jesus weeps over in our gospel lesson, the name of that city is Jerusalem, which literally means the city of peace. The city of peace. 
When Jesus weeps over Jerusalem in our gospel lesson and says, would that you, even you, knew on this day the things that make for peace, he's showing them that they are looking for superficial cures, kisses and a band-aid, when what they need is something much, much greater. God promised to the people in our Old Testament lesson that if they amended their ways and their deeds, if they looked to him for the cure for their sickness and understood the depth of their need, he would let them dwell in their land, dwell in that promised land that he had set aside for them so long ago. But they would not. They would not have his peace on his terms. They didn't want to deal with the problem in its depths. And so God cast them out of that city of peace. He had peace on offer for them, and he sent them away to a land where there was no peace, to Babylon, where they could not hear his word and watch his sacrifices on their behalf or offer their prayers in his temple. And the temple was destroyed. Those stones that were stacked one on top of the other that they had hoped in, those stones were cast down. And the people were left without hope. As long as they hoped in those stones, they would find their hopes to be of no avail. But if they hoped in God, if they hoped in his word, which went with them even to exile, they would have a promise and a future beyond their imagination. And that's what we see in our gospel lesson this morning. You see, the temple that Jesus is standing before as he weeps over Jerusalem, that's a temple rebuilt because God was not done with his people. He wanted them to receive his peace, and so he brought them back to the promised land, and they rebuilt the temple, and the sacrifices were offered again, and God said, I will dwell with you and be your God, and you will be my people. But once again, we see that they would not have his peace. They wanted kisses and a band-aid, and they thought that time would cure all their ills. And the tragedy grew even deeper because, of course, God had been present in the temple before, but now he was present in a new way, in the flesh and blood of Jesus. They could see him and reach out and touch him and hear from his own mouth the words of promise that God was offering to them. And the tragedy is this. That peace passed them by. What did they do? with that bearer of peace, with that prince of peace, with the word of God incarnate, what did they do with him? But sacrifice him on a cross. Trying to maintain their delusion, maintain their fanciful notion that the problem they suffer is a superficial problem. That the problem is not in their hearts. That the problem is not sin. That the problem is not their fault. That peace was passing them by. And so Jesus wept. He wept about it, and it was the greatest tragedy of all. But one of the remarkable things about the way God works in the world, and this should hold our attention as we read God's word and as we look at our lives, one of the most remarkable things about the way God works in the world is that he always brings from tragedy, redemption. From suffering and crosses and the appearance of loss, God always brings victory. There is no failure in God's divine will. There is no failure, even as Jesus is lifted up on the cross by those he came to save. There is no failure, for the blood that he poured out on the cross was meant to cover all of their sins and yours and mine. Even as they rejected the peace that he was offering to them, even as they thought they would rather just live a life with kisses and band-aids, he was pouring out the medicine that was needed to raise them from the dead, to bring them to a new life in him. If only they would see and believe. What about us? What does this have to do with all of us? 
The temptations that faced the people of Israel in Jeremiah's time and that faced the people of Israel in Jesus' time, those temptations confront us as well. It's very, very tempting and most popular in our world to think about the problems that we face in life as the kind of problems that require just a kiss and a band-aid. To think that the sickness that we suffer on account of sin is something superficial. That if we can just maintain the external appearances of a good life, everything will be okay. If we can be with our family, if we can have our comforts, if we can have our home, if we can come to church, everything will be okay. And if we are tempted to miss the depth of our sickness, the depth of our wound and our injury. Of course, with scrapes and bruises, time heals everything. But there are some wounds that grow worse over time, and sin is one of them. The way that sin grows worse over time is by hardness of heart. The more we think of our sins as superficial, as not requiring a great sacrifice on God's behalf, as not requiring repentance and belief in him, the more we think of that, the harder our hearts become. And so we ought to repent. We ought to hear carefully the words of Jeremiah, amend your ways and your deeds. Those words are words for us. We should not come into this place thinking that after we leave here, we can leave here unchanged. For we come in here with all of the sins that Jeremiah listed, theft, murder, adultery, falsehood, deceit, offering things to other gods, offering sacrifices to other gods. Of course, it's not sacrifices to Baal in our day, but it's sacrifices to any other god you can think of. Success, money, comfort, family, pleasure, health. We make these sacrifices and we come here into this place bearing all of these sins to leave them here. Not to return to them when we go home, but to amend our ways and our deeds. How can we do that? How can we come into this place and leave here changed, new people with new hearts? It's because of God's gracious words to you. For not only does the call from Jeremiah require that we acknowledge our sin, but it also calls us to look to God for the depths of his love to us. The peace that he offers on the cross is deep enough and wide enough and broad enough to cover even the deepest and darkest recesses of your heart. There is no sin you've committed. None of the sins listed in Jeremiah's list and none of the sins that are in the imagination of your heart that he th you think he overlooked. None of those sins is too grave, too severe for Christ's blood to be unable to cover it. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for you is God's peace for you. A peace that you could not forge on your own. A peace that is far better than mere kisses and band-aids. It is a peace that is won on the cross. It is a peace that is like having your bones set and placed in a cast. It is peace like having surgery performed on you. It is peace that comes from being buried in the grave with Christ. You've been buried with him. This is how much he wants you to live a new life in him. He wants you to be free from sin and to rejoice in his goodness. He buried you with him in the grave so that he might resurrect you as well. You have died to sin, and now you live to righteousness. So when you hear those words from Jeremiah, amend your ways and your deeds, those are words of hope for you because that new life which you long for in Christ, that new life is being given to you by his grace and mercy. What a gift we have in Christ Jesus that we've been given eyes to see and ears to hear the peace that passes all understanding. Not a superficial peace, not a peace that's just on the surface, not a peace that only promises to heal bruises and scratches, but a peace that promises to get to the depths of your heart. 
a peace that promises to cure all of the sins that you have committed and all of the sins that have been committed against you. This is strong medicine. Receive it with joy. Listen to God's word and hope in him. Fix your eyes on Jesus, knowing that he is the author and perfecter of your faith, and that the good work he has begun in you now, the good work of curing you from every disease of body and soul, that good work he will bring to completion in the day of his glory. And we should act according to that psalm that we recited at the beginning of our service, according to the intro. We should call upon God. Why? Because he hears your voice. He redeems your soul in safety. Cast every burden, every burden of body and soul, cast it on the Lord, and he will sustain you. And he will grant you that peace which passes all understanding, which will now keep you in your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.